Welcome to Feels Like Home, a home, garden, and design podcast with me, interior designer Sam Strzok. And me, stylist and photographer Eva Cosmos Flores. Each week, we'll bring you down-to-earth advice to help you create beauty in your living space and vibrancy in your garden. Along with insights and tips from our guests. Plus, every episode, we'll dive into listener mail and help you solve a garden or design problem. So send them on over to us at feelslikehomepodcast at gmail.com. So pull up a seat and make yourself at home. Hey, everybody. Hello. Welcome back. We are enjoying a nice overcast day here in Portland, as always, it seems. Um, But hopefully the sun will be joining us soon because I know spring is just around the corner. How are you doing, Sam? Good. Yeah. Just, I don't know, enjoying the last week of some normalcy in my life. But um, yeah, I feel like it's been a really good week. Yeah. Same here. It's been busy. Work's been a little bit busy, but I am excited because tonight I'm going to go over to my brother's Mm. uh, because it's his birthday. Oh, nice. Happy birthday, brother. (laughs) And my nephew is going to be there and we're going to do like a big family dinner. So that's going to be super fun. Are you making the dinner? No, I am not. <laughs> I actually, there's this really good Chinese restaurant called Pure Spice here in Portland that's like nice. really authentic. Yeah. And they do like dim sum. Um, so we're going to put in an order there with like different types of like dumplings and pot stickers and like uh, Dan Dan noodles. And it's going to be a really good spread. Nice. Very excited about that. Yeah. So let's, uh, I guess let's dive into our strides and struggles. Let's do it. So I'll kick it off sure. uh, with my stride. Um, something that I'm really excited about that's kind of like the carrot dangling on my horizon is my workshop in Croatia that's going to happen in May. So, you know, we filled up all the workshop spots and we have some really amazing attendees coming that I'm really excited about because, you know, I haven't. So just for context, for like seven years in a row, I hosted a photography retreat at the same house in Croatia. And so it's just felt like a home away from home. It's this really lovely structure that's a really old farmhouse made out of stone that they renovated so that it has modern amenities, but it still has that beautiful old world kind of cozy, mm. comforting vibe. And it's just a real special place. So because of COVID, obviously I haven't gone for a couple of years now. And um, we're finally being able to do it again nice um so we have folks coming from all over the world and the fun thing is because i've been teaching uh, photography online in the interim a lot of the people who were at my like live zoom meetings my class members are coming so i get to actually meet them in person and like give them a real life hug which i'm so excited for is that the class that i like sat in one time with and just like answered a couple questions. Yeah, oh, they're yeah. so sweet. Yeah, they're just so like fun. The best women. Um, so super excited for that. So yeah. I'm getting all the ducks in a row for that. So I like got my plane ticket booked. I'm coordinating like the car and van rentals with my team. You know, I have some cater friends who'll be coming and cooking that are amazing, like Mona and Jared of Turn On. They do wood fire cooking. And my friend uh, Shauna Galente does like farm to table cooking. And so they're coming out. Um, so just, you know, getting the ducks in the row, yeah. getting all my ducks in a row for that. And it just feels good because as a planner, I enjoy getting everything organized and kind of seeing the fruits of my labor like come together. Yeah. Um, so it just feels like it's really real now. You sure. know, like I can feel like it it is going to happen. And, um, you know, just f- FYI, we are uh, requiring vaccination and negative COVID test 
uh, results within 72 hours of the workshop. So trying to keep it extra, extra safe for yeah. you know, everyone that's coming, everyone that's working the the gathering. But yeah, it just feels like a, a real nice hug thinking about being able to gather with other creatives in person. Sure. I've really missed that. And yeah, that's that's been my my excitement over the past That's week. great. Yeah. And then struggle wise, it's my it's more garden stuff. <laughs> like, I feel always. like it's garden stuff every week. <laughs> well I think I think it also goes to show people that you you can be a good gardener and there's always something that's rough. You yeah, know, there's yeah. always some sort of weird new problem that you have have to combat. So the problem that we are dealing with that we've had over the past year is this insanely invasive grass that came, the seed came in a compost order. You know, I'd been ordering compost from the same guy, Eric Kosher Fertilizer, for like six years. And then he retired. And that was such a bummer. So I had to find a new company. And then we got a big order dumped in our driveway. I'm not going to say who because I honestly don't remember, but I also don't want to like badmouth them. Sure, sure. But I suspect that this is where this crazy seed came from. So basically, it's this horrifying grass that once it sprouts, it like if you try to pull it out by the root, it just snaps off. Oh, so wow. the root still stays and you should have like grass in your hand. So you can't even really pull it out to weed it. And so it completely took over the garden last year and like crowded out all the tomatoes. And so I like was not able to produce almost any vegetables in the main garden and could only do like the tomatoes on the side of the garage in those beds. So our new plan <laughs> for this summer uh, or spring, uh, you know, sometime this month in March, we're planning on building raised beds in the front yard too, because before I'd just been planting directly in the ground. So yeah. I'm hoping that with the raised beds, we'll put new soil in there. And so the raised beds won't have the invasive grass seed in them. Right. And then with the other areas around the raised beds, we'll just cover with like mulch and stuff so that the seed doesn't come out because it'll be covered with like bark chips and whatnot. So so that's something that's been a struggle for a while. But now I have like a plan. So I'm hoping, fingers crossed, <laughs> that it works out. Yeah. Well, we'll see this summer. <laughs> what about you? Yeah, so my stride this last week. Actually, it's funny that you're bringing up workshop workshop um, because I actually signed up for a workshop myself, <gasps> also in May. Ooh. So we're like twin workshopping, except I'm attending, not leading. So well, that's still so fun too. Um, yeah, I feel like really excited. I feel like it's a big step for me in the sense that. I don't know, when we take other trips for the business in particular, typically it's myself with people on the team going to mm -hmm. like market or look at furniture or something. But in this case, it's just me going as the business owner to meet other women in the field that have interior design businesses. So it's just like a small core group of ladies. I think it's capped at like 60 with the staff and the um, attendees. Mm -hmm. So it's called Design Camp. And it's you just get to go for four days and be in retreat in Santa Monica oh, and nice. just like do some really amazing training and like, I don't know, sharpening your tool belt. So there's some really high profile speakers that are coming, which did make me sweat a little bit when I saw them because <laughs> I was like, oh, my gosh, these people are like my idols. But um, Jake Arnold's going to be there. He's a fabulous designer. And so there was a part of me that was like. I don't want to go because it's going to be pretty intimate and there's yeah. going to be all these high profile people there. But my husband like really encouraged me to go and was like, I think you should do this for yourself. Yeah. So I'm really excited about it. I like said yes. And it's like 
literally from seven o'clock in the morning, breakfast with everyone all the way through like dinner and cocktail hour at night and like live music. And so it's just like start to finish for the whole day for three days straight. So have you I'm ever excited. have you ever done like a a workshop or gathering with other interior designers before? No. Uh-uh. Yeah, this is the first time. I think it's exciting. I I don't know. For me, at least, it's pretty hard to have community of other interior designers, yeah. at least locally, because yeah. inherently there's like this competition. Assumption of competition. Yeah. Um, although I like super, I'm super transparent. So I'm like, let's all be friends and figure out like what each other's <laughs> niches are and then like support each other. Yeah. Um, but in, like I said, it's just kind of hard to have community in this sphere. Mm-hmm. So removing away the comp- competitive component and just like having people that want to be there and want to have community. And P.S. They're all women and they're all small business owners. I think it's just really exciting for me to connect with women, other moms, like other people that are doing design and just learn from them, but also like show up and be willing to talk about the things that have worked for me in the last year and my mm-hmm. growth and like share that knowledge. So I don't know. I'm just excited. Yeah. It's kind of a big deal. It's a huge deal because like, you know, I've been doing workshops for a while now and there's really nothing like talking with a group of people who understand your really unique, weird like challenges. And yeah. The things that come along with like your specific creative field. And then you do forge these like really deep connections in such a short period of time that last outside of, you know, the duration of the workshop too. So that's going to be such a cool experience for you. I can't wait to hear about yeah. it. After. I'm just really, really thankful. You know, yeah. a year ago, I maybe wouldn't have felt like I could put aside the money to do it. It's mm-hmm. a pretty expensive investment, but being able to do it and like have the support of my partner and be like, yeah, do this. It's like, Okay. I guess I'm doing this. So <laughs> You're doing it. I'm doing it. It's great. So very thankful for the time and the chance to get to go do it. So yeah. and then in terms of struggles, I think I mentioned a couple of weeks ago or a couple episodes ago that I was working on the garage and I'm still working on the garage. This is just real life. I have a small <laughs> amount of time and I'm usually sick or with a sick child. So um the struggle really has been to create a space that my husband and I can just like go in, do yoga, work out, do whatever. And so it's been a struggle to like complete that task. And yeah. I'm like very task driven. I like to like check the box. It's done. I don't like having 20 projects at once. Yeah. Except if they're interior projects. But uh, for my like home personal life, I like to just complete a task and move on. So mm-hmm. It's been a struggle to get it done, but we're committed to like this weekend's the weekend. We're doing it. It's all getting out for better, for worse. So you can do it. Wish me luck on that one. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you could even if you guys are really pressed for time, I wonder if there's someone you could just like hire to just pick up the stuff and take it to Goodwill or whatever. Because sometimes I feel like the last part of a, especially like a big clean out. Yeah. Like the the last step can be the thing you procrastinate and then you just have these like bags of things that need to be donated that are like sitting there. And I say this as someone with bags of things sitting in my basement that are like ready to be dropped off. It just have not been dropped off yet. Right. I think another barrier for me though, too, is like, I love Goodwill, but I also am happy to give things for free to a good home. Like I am just like, I want to post all this kid stuff and like have somebody come get it and pick it up because I want to have another mom that needs all this or something, you know? Um, So- It's like time. Yeah. Have you ever 
uh, looked at those buy nothing groups. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are awesome. There's a couple like Columbia Gorge buy nothing or um, classified pages where, you know, you post something for $10 and nobody responds. But if you post it for free, it doesn't really matter how bad it is. Yeah. <laughs> like somebody will come and get it. So <laughs> yeah, um, we definitely we're not trying to like make money or reclaim anything on this. It's really just like, let's get it out. Let's give it away. Like, let's do whatever to just like make the space how we need it. So yeah. yes, that's the goal. Yeah. 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 Those buy nothing groups are great because also stuff that it's like maybe even like slightly in like broken or disrepair, like people have so many crafts and skills that it's like, oh, I can't repair this tape deck. But someone might look at them and be like, oh, I could repair that in like a weekend. That's no problem. And right. Resell totally. it or use it or whatever. So it's just always better to post that stuff than throwing it away because you just never know. Yes. Even like our samples at our office when we go through them a couple times a year, we'll like need to purge um yeah and people always take them we never throw them away we'll just like post all our random samples of tiles and stuff somebody will come and get it and it's always fun to hear like what are you gonna do with this there's like a hundred different individual tiles what are you doing and it'll be like oh i've got a preschool and i'm gonna let the kids like hammer it and make mosaics or something <laughs> and i'm like sweet that's awesome <laughs> so that's really cool i mean scary a little but that's yeah, okay but you know preschooler with a hammer and like sharp object but yeah, you know have fun you be creative you. so um <laughs> but it's always i don't know i really try to avoid landfill as much yeah. as possible and then also anything that i know can be given away for free to a good home mm-hmm. and avoid having it just go to another reseller we'll do that too Totally. Yeah. Love it. And speaking of like, you know, using things or reusing things, being more environmentally friendly, really excited about our guest today, specifically diving into the straw bale home that she and her husband are working on building, which is so creative and interesting because you don't hear very much about them being built. I mean, I know it's a popular sustainable building option, but I really don't know much at all about how it works. Right. It'll be fun to talk to her about it. I am familiar with the construction methodology. I've I don't have any projects that have done it. I've explored it with a couple of different projects, but it'll be neat to hear like how she went about that and how she decided to go ahead and continue on that journey and what it's looked like for her and her husband. I don't know. She's just a really unique and special creative person that I'm like, I want to hear all the things and learn <laughs> all the things from you. Yeah. So I'm excited. Yeah. So with that, let's go ahead and dive into our chat. Great. Want gorgeous photos of your home? I've made five beautiful Lightroom mobile presets that will bring brightness and beauty to your space. And you can grab them for free at feelslikehomepodcast.com. Our guest today is Sherilyn Schofield, who has an extensive background as a multidisciplinary crafter. She and her husband share their talent through metal fabrication, furniture making, and many unusual endeavors. They also are building their forever home using straw bale construction. There's a lot to talk about, and we're glad to have her on. Welcome, Sherilyn. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us today. We're really excited. Uh, Even I were talking about you before this episode, and we were just talking about how we both know very little about uh, straw bale construction Mm -hmm. and sort of that journey. Mm -hmm. And then we also want to know everything about sort of who you are, what you do. So let's kick Mm -hmm. off with you telling us a little bit about what you guys do and your artistry Mm -hmm. and uh, what you guys are working on. Cool. Yeah, let's break it down. (laughs) <laughs> we, uh, we're kind of to look at our 
uh, resume, it's kind of all over the charts, but um, we do metal work, we do woodwork, um, it leads to all kinds of other things. But yeah, I think uh, as a kid, I was not raised around tools or anything. I just always kind of called myself a doodler, you know, just making things, painting things. Um, and then uh, as I grew up and had kids and I would constantly be redecorating and painting odd things on the walls, just kind of enjoying making things. And then when Chris and I met, he tossed me a welding torch and had a shop full of tools and it just kind of blew up and I just kind of like, oh my gosh, this is so fun. Um, yeah, like just uh, using a, a grinder for, for some odd reason it was just so fun to me, so satisfying. But uh, yeah, so we, we, we work together side by side and most of the things we do, but we also have kind of our own unique uh, things that we do alone. So that's great. Can you tell us a little bit about some of your favorite projects or things that you are continually doing mm -hmm. on a regular basis? Yeah. Some of our, our favorite projects are always, I think also the hardest and most time consuming <laughs> and, uh, our work is pretty custom. And so when someone asks us to build something or to do something, it's sometimes it's we're doing it for the very first time ourselves. So some, one of our big projects in the past that we got to do was building an entrance to a city that um, stretches over the, over the highway um, with four lanes of traffic. Wow. And they um, said, can you build us an entrance? And we were like, sure. And it was a federally funded job. And so I had to get my welding certification to do that job and it was my pretty much my first welding job I ever did <laughs> for welding this huge 72 foot arch um, and it was so fun and we did a lot of collaborative work uh, with Chris's uncle who's a, a western illustrator he came out and helped us do the painting um, of the historic mural and that was a really fun one of course a lot of people know about our potatoes that we've built and that was, those are, of course, very memorable. What, and what are they? Some of our potatoes. So the state of Idaho, um, you know, is famous for potatoes. And we were hired to build a potato that drives around the country. Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> I love it's, it. like the, it's like the Oscar <laughs> Mayer Wiener mobile. I love exactly. <laughs> Idaho potato. You think oh. of the Oscar Mayer Wiener. Oh. They were parked side by side and are really cute together. But um, Whoa. Yeah, so that's kind of, of course, a memorable one that we really enjoyed. And you guys do, so you do a lot of metalworking, but you also do yes. woodworking. And did that start after the metalworking? And like, what kind of wood-based pieces do you do? Yeah, so the woodworking kind of came as a result probably of when we had a tree service that we would run. We started collecting the logs um, instead of taking them to the dump or chipping them all up, my husband started collecting logs and we had just piles and piles of logs. And I'm like, oh my gosh, we, we, we can't just have these sitting in our driveway. Um, it's just getting to be too much. And so yeah. we ended up with a sawmill and, and uh, realized that this is some really beautiful stuff inside mm -hmm. and, and started collecting slabs. And then wouldn't you know, like natural edge furniture was just going off. And mm -hmm. so we can do metal work. So we just started incorporating some of that and just having a lot of fun with that, building bookcases and tables and shelves and all kinds of stuff. So 
Yeah, the live edge pieces you guys have done, like when I was looking at your site, are just so beautiful. It just really mm. showcases like the organic shape of the tree. It's just really cool, yeah. really cool, unique. It's pieces. really the wood, you know. It's yeah, it gets all the the credit. It's just pretty cool. <laughs> it's fun to work with. And you asked about species, like it's all over the charts. I mean, it just depends what comes in. So yeah. walnut, of course, is pretty popular, and rightly so. <laughs> it's beautiful. And so just whatever is locally available is what we work with. That's great. Mm -hmm. When you're creating, you know, custom furniture, et cetera, for a home, how do you decide what feels right for that project or, Mm -hmm. you know, that space that you're creating for? It kind of uh, all depends on the paradigm of the customer, the client. Mm -hmm. Um, It's fun to just meet them and you get a feel kind of right away for their personality and their kind of what they're expecting and what they just kind of their vibe you know you kind of just we kind of just can sense you know instinctually kind of what they're look what they're after but a lot of times you hand them a piece of paper and say well do you want to draw some stuff of what you're thinking or um and some people love that they love drawing out what they think that should be there other people just kind of throw their hands up in the air and have no idea what they want <laughs> um and that's kind of fun too I mean, yeah so we'll get you know anyone from an engineer who loves to draw out, you know, large plans and say, this is exactly what I want. And we just kind of go, okay, we'll build that to a person who says, what do you think? And we have to come up with it from whatever it is. And so when it gets to that point, it's a lot of fun, but -hmm. it's also, you know, it's, there we go. We have to be creative again, (laughs) (laughs) come up with something, but that is the fun too. getting to have that artistic freedom to go, Ooh, okay, let us do something. Yeah, um, take a, a little, take the reins there. Do yeah, just explore. Not a lot of, right. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is like a sidestep, but we are super curious about straw bale construction. We're hoping yes. you can give us, you know, like the down and dirty on that. So uh-huh. for those of us maybe that don't know what straw bale construction is, can mm-hmm. you tell us what it is, and then maybe talk about what made you choose that? Absolutely. Yeah. So we started just going online and doing some research and found strawbale.com. And they are a super, super resource for just getting some basic information and looking at pictures. But the gist of it is straw bales use in building have been around for a long time, especially in Europe. I think in Nebraska, there's some really old buildings still, but it's just using straw bales as the insulation. So um, instead of using insulation, you're using straw bales. And we call it kind of our house is kind of a modern straw bale, not in terms of style necessarily, but just the system and the way we built it. So not thinking, you know, the three little pig style straw, (laughs) but thinking, okay, a really stout, sturdy, new way of building. So there's a system of having a, a, you know, a foundation. And then there's these things called toe-ups, which pulls the bales um, up off the ground with gravel underneath. Um, So you've got a drainage system. And then your bales get stacked up on top of that, Mm. kind of like Legos. And we used a post and beam kind of style structure. Uh, You can also use the bales as load-bearing, which the roof just sits right on the bales. Wow. um, In our climate, and where we live, it's probably not the best way to do that. Mm-hmm. So um, we did a post and beam, pretty traditional style, like, you know, how you build 
post beams. Right. And then the straw bales are basically just the insulation. And then a kind of a modern way of tying it all together, we used wire mesh, like a two inch Mm. by two inch wire mesh um, that goes along on the insides and outsides of the straw bales walls. And it's super tensioned and really, really tightly packed. And that's we could do an entire podcast on just straw bales, getting the right straw bales. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, we, we, it starts with choosing the right straw bales, you know, and we used wheat straw grown um, in Idaho from where we moved from, just like right next door. So oh, that's amazing. We got yeah. to like actually watch our insulation grow. <laughs> and, get um, get yeah, a little bit was, of your old home and your new home. Yeah, that's exactly, pretty cool. Exactly. Yeah. But they're just really tightly, densely packed straw. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, plaster on inside and out. Yeah, that's great. We Line actually. Plaster. Oh, awesome. We mm-hmm. just talked to another guest. Uh, Lauren works at Master of Plaster and she, they do lime okay. plastering. So we're just talking all about that stuff. So, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a beautiful space inside once you have, you know, all the plaster up and. Uh, I'm curious with the straw bale is that so that's like a very thick wall right so is that just the exterior perimeter of the house is the straw bale and then the interior walls are like nor like not straw bale insulation or how does that work yeah so our um build is a whole perimeter of straw bale and then we to save on square footage on the inside of the house we have some traditional drywall uh, walls in between bedrooms, but we took one straw bale wall and kind of brought it into the house and curved it. So oh, cool. um, right in the center of the house, there's a curved wall. Um, and on the outside of the house, that's kind of like an, a covered patio. Oh, cool. So it sort of kind of ties both together. But um, our house is probably in the neighborhood of 1,700 square feet on the inside. So not huge, pretty cozy, but but it kind of feels spacious at the same time. So, what made you decide to do straw bale? Is it like mm-hmm. you know, obviously the envi- it's so much better for the environment, and it's an interesting look too. Is there like you know what pulled you towards that? I have always wanted to build a straw bale. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> I think it was like in my twenties, and I just I don't really remember where I first saw one. Maybe it was as a kid and. Texas down the south. I'm not sure. But um, when Chris and I met, we each had the same coffee table book <laughs> of straw bale homes. And it was, was kind of weird. And I was like, well, wow. Uh, so we kind of had both been following uh, strawbale.com. And he's the guy, uh, Andrew Morrison, is kind of like our straw bale guru. And it was just kind of like this, you know, little dream of ours that one day we're going to build straw bale home. And, uh, and so Andrew on strawbale.com. Um, he does these workshops. And so we imagined ourselves going to a workshop and learning how to build. And, um, it didn't happen that way, but we ended up not going to a workshop, but hosting a workshop, which is really backwards. You're supposed <laughs> to do the other way around, but just the way our life happened, we got to actually host a workshop, which was wild, <laughs> right in the middle of COVID. So <laughs> uh, that was super cool. But, um, so did they build like a small uh, structure on your property? They stacked 500 bales <gasps> in that week. Wow. They, here. they got all of our bales in and it was so much work and we didn't get as far as we'd hoped 
but we are so impressed with what happened on that week. Um, normally, though, they'll get all the bales stacked and they'll start at the plastering, but um, we only got just a little section of wall plastered at the end of the week. Yeah. Just because of the nature of um, our posts and fitting and notching the bales. Mm -hmm. And there was just so much to do and learn. And, um, but it was a blast. <laughs> That's so cool. I mean, yeah. that sounds incredible and also sounds like hopefully that would have been like an extra oomph of help that you otherwise it, wouldn't have gotten, right? Yes. Yes. There were um, about 30 people. Oh, wow. That's wow. way more than I was assuming. They showed up. And um, of course, we were in masks and everyone had to stay spread apart and they were all camping too on our property. Mm. And so, um, but it was just like all hands on deck. And so we spent the week just kind of like walking around, making sure everyone was doing, you know, what they needed to do or answering questions. We didn't even get to like do any of the work. <laughs> and so after everyone left, then it was our job to, to jump in and, you know, do everything else. But sure. um, it was so helpful. That's amazing. Awesome. Yeah. Do you have any, and you may not know, it's okay not to know, but I'm curious if you have any knowledge or yeah, just feedback on what the cost analysis mm -hmm. would be for mm -hmm. doing something like a straw bill help. And just so you know, like when my husband and I were dreaming of houses, uh, he was like dead set on straw bale construction. No and way. Want, oh yeah. No, he, <laughs> and he was like deep into it. He wanted to build like a hobbit house from the Shire with a circle front yes. door. Like it was That's like, what I imagined. Yeah. Yep. He was like, this is the way. And we were like, yeah. I was like, mm, I don't think so. So we also, <laughs> but, and the reason why we didn't was actually because we um, talked to some of the like planning department and whatnot. And they were like really uh -huh. hesitant at the time to like, uh -huh. Uh -huh. allow us to do it so it just felt uh -huh. like an uphill battle yep but i would love to hear your perspective on like cost and then like difficulty of achieving that with regard to like building and planning and things like that kind of nuts and yeah. bolts that's kind of where it has to start is with what you can do right and get the permission to do it here in hood river county now i mean back then i don't know how long ago that was but it there may not have been like an actual straw bales might not have been an actual thing yet. I don't right. know. But now there's a whole building code on straw bale. Hmm. Um, and that's cool to see. Yeah. Uh, more and more states are, are having, are coming up with that. We kind of asked them to change the code just a little bit <laughs> because parts of it were a little outdated even then. Yeah. Um, they had like, you know, put rebar, down through your bales to hold them in in place, and that's that's not good for straw because metal will um, hold condensation mm. and rot out your bales from the inside. So there's all these new things that that are being learned along the way. But um, yeah, so getting permission from your area and then going in and just saying, "Here's what we're doing," and being completely open and honest and having a good plan. Yeah. is really key and it helps to have you know engineering plans and legit legit plans sure, yeah. <laughs> um yeah. but when i we first imagined building same thing i was like i'm building a hobbit house with a round door <laughs> and we're gonna be like hippies but um but now i'm just i'm really thankful that the way we did go with it we um took our pile a literal pile of drawings that chris and i have done over the years 
and brought it to an, an engineer, an architect, and said, help, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they were they were like a marriage counselor. They're like, oh, just do this and this. And we're like, no. Oh, wow. <laughs> that was so easy. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then the county has just been really incredible to work with. We um were super nervous, you know, like what are the inspectors gonna say? What's you know, we were told to just, you know, have donuts available as soon as the inspectors show up, like, <laughs> you know, just really, really bottom them up. But um, that wasn't the case at all. They came out with like, you know, super curious and really excited. And then they saw what we were doing and how and saw our plans and, you know, that it helped to have really good, really good plans, really good names on those plans. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were like, oh, great. Good job check and so it just made us feel feel good that we were doing the right thing and is your house to- done now the construction no um it's probably chris likes to say it's like 80 percent done i say it's like 50 <laughs> so <laughs> optimistic <laughs> um i see like so much to do it's like, we're so close but yeah so the outer shell everything the plaster on the outside it takes three coats of plaster inside and outside. Wow. And so we are on our second coat on the exterior, which is really all you need to to live in. Um, but we'll do a final coat probably um, in the fall or something next year once we're all moved in. But mm-hmm. the interior, we're still working on the middle coat of plaster, the, the brown coat. And we still have dirt floors. We kind of built backwards. We built everything first and then we're doing the floors last. Wow. Um, which is non-traditional. but it worked out better for us in the beginning because of our mess that we're making inside. And also <laughs> the timeline for the workshop had to happen first. And we yeah. just didn't have time to pour concrete um, floors before the workshop. Yeah. Are there any other environmentally conscious, you know, decisions that you guys have made that you're including in the house too? Like any other non-traditional mm-hmm. stuff? We positioned the, ha- the house. So it's passive solar south-facing nice and uh then we're using our our posts and beams that we um used are all reclaimed glue lamb giant beams like that came out of the expo center i guess on the waterfront back in 2016 they tore down but um these were just massive beams so we had to cut them and mail them to fit and you can see pictures of just the bones of it is just stout. <laughs> it's just big stout wow. beams. And so some of them are just revealed. You can see inside the house and then one outside. They're um, just a little reveal of the beam still there. And then all of our window sills are 18 inches thick on inside. Wow. Which is like my favorite part of the house <laughs> because we have window benches everywhere. So we're yeah. using big walnut slabs that we oh, nice. All of our years of tree work, um, all those logs we collected are actually getting processed and put into our house. So we'll be able to like throw pillows in the window and like take naps in the windows. And <laughs> um, that part I'm really looking forward to. Yeah. Eva's um, dreaming of all the plants she can put on the window. Exactly. Like literally. Yes. Here, yes. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> That's totally on my list. I just can't wait to put my plants in there. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then we're just trying to use. Um, some other reclaimed materials best we can. I imagined my house to be a hodgepodge of, of reclaimed stuff, but it, it's not turning out quite that way. We, we ended up using, you know, all matching Anderson windows just for that real clean, modern look. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, 
but our some of our doors we got out of the old Union Building downtown. They're just the oh, big cool. aluminum, heavy-duty industrial doors, which we're going to sand off and paint to match the rest of the windows. But um, they're still cool. They're kind of like industrial-looking and cool. And then um, what else? Our patio that we're doing is just big concrete blocks, from also from the Union Building. Um, just big, huge chunks of concrete that we'll just kind of recess in and create you know, a back porch with. And put, um, I remember you guys seen seeing pictures of you guys cutting those, and they're like yeah. huge pieces. So like, we, we didn't, yeah, five feet or <laughs> something, like five feet by five feet or something. And yeah, you guys, they're just huge. They're huge, and then you like had to crane them out. So, for just context, wacky. we're not really talking like small, like little pavers. We're talking humongous pieces of giant <laughs> concrete. So, yes, yes. <laughs> yes, they're just once you place them, they're there. Yeah. Well, based off of like um, all this incredible array of like, you know, reclaimed materials that you're bringing into your house, do you, mm -hmm. you know, based off of all your hands-on experience, do you have any advice you would give to somebody, you know, who's interested in incorporating reclaimed or sustainable products into their home? Mm -hmm. Yes. For one thing, it's, it, it does kind of can, can cost more um, when you're going with something that's, reclaimed because maybe it's you know reprocessed or something and mm -hmm. uh, somebody turned it into something else or is making it better than it was or something so it can cost more but if you're doing it yourself then it can be a lot less expensive we didn't really talk about cost too much on there but when you're reclaiming yeah you can get some stuff for free or you know from your local rebuild it center but sometimes it does cost more um, to get things cleaned up but advice would be just to kind of pick things that you really love and that make you feel good when you walk into your home if it is you know a thrift store item or something and it, it makes you happy and it's a part of you then by all means don't be afraid to incorporate it and then doing it yourself is always an option people kind of ask how we do stuff and we don't know <laughs> we, just, we just do it but it really you just get the right tools you know you just kind of get a tool and learn how to do something and it's so satisfying and fun yeah and then ask your interior designer uh, yeah. <laughs> right thanks for um, that little plug <laughs> uh -huh. yeah yeah we, we do not have an interior designer and i well you happen to know one, one so no problem there <laughs> so <laughs> um but for a cohesiveness i think that would yeah. be pretty important to to yeah. just get help and ask questions and get some professionals in there just to, to do know what they're doing. Yeah. And I think mm -hmm. it's, you know, I think back to uh, before I went into design, I like in high school did tech theater mm -hmm. and was like building mm -hmm. sets. Right. So we had oh, using fun. power tools and doing all the things. And I still look back and wonder like how I did not cut a finger off when I was no. doing that. But <laughs> You know, like right. just being willing to try, like Sherilyn, you and I yeah. have talked about this, like being willing to just like say yes and mm -hmm. know that like failure is sometimes inevitable and that's okay. And you can yep. learn from it and mm -hmm. still have something really beautiful. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And then just enjoying it. And um, the other um, advice that I have to give myself, I guess, is just to enjoy the process and not freak out and get overwhelmed and stressed 
I'm talking to myself here <laughs> yeah. it because every day it's just like, oh my gosh, what are we doing? But just go look at what we're doing and just enjoy it and yeah. smile and have some fun with it. And then timeline, things take time. Really good things take time. Mm-hmm. We all know that <laughs> when we're making things. And uh, my husband swears by the, the pie rule. You know, if you give someone a timeline, it's going to be times pie. Because that's about right. <laughs> it kind of fits. Yeah. <laughs> so if you think it's going to take a week, it might be 3.14. Oh, man. Um, I'm thinking about that in terms of years. Like, yeah, oh, that's scary. Yeah, so. okay. Maybe not years. <laughs> but uh, just enjoying that. Yeah. We, I think uh, part of our worst fear, I guess, is how long is this going to take us? And people will say, are you done with your house yet? When's your house going to be done? And and that just kind of puts a knot in your stomach. Like, yeah. I don't know. We're trying. I don't know. But yeah. the the point is, like, we don't want it to take 10 years. We don't want it to take three years. We want to be done soon. And everybody, you know, obviously we want to be done soon. So, mm-hmm. but just enjoying it. Yeah. And, um, yeah. I love that. Yeah, me too. And then just, like, based off of what we've been talking about already, I feel like I might have an inkling of what the answer is. But uh, what are some of your favorite materials to use in your own house? Yeah, that's, I think that's part of my favorite thing is thinking about materials in the house. Not that we, you know, decided to build our house for environmental reasons, but um, as artists, the hugest part is this, that aesthetic look, you know, mm-hmm. and the, the feel of, that ha- of the house is was a, a huge driving force of why we were building Strawbale. But um, just imagining what it's going to feel like and look like. And I have yet to do one of those big, you guys call them flat lays. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Out your materials. I should do that soon. And I have been wanting to make one. But on my flat lay, if I were going to do one, it would be, um, of course, the plaster walls. We may tint some of the plaster. And then, of course, our, our wood, natural wood. Uh, walnut sills and we hopefully incorporate some walnut or I'm sorry um, some of the glue lamb in other areas of the house the beam and of course metal some of our vertical mullions between our windows will be patinaed steel oh cool wow. um, and I'm really excited for that part I love doing patina work <laughs> <laughs> and then um, some brass I want to do some brass backsplashes oh wow um, in the kitchen and patina that so it's just kind of that kind of modern but also kind of old world feel against the plaster and then of course plants are one of my big favorite things mm-hmm. <laughs> succulents we'll put plants. them on the lay flat like <laughs> put the little succulents on there too yeah <laughs> yeah um and then just real you know warm cozy materials whether it's velvet or wool or leather um stuff like that your other podcaster that you had Nora yeah Nora Laura, mm-hmm. Nora Nora and Laura they're, <laughs> yeah their Instagram page yeah it's just that's just such a beautiful vibe yeah uh, it looks a lot like what I kind of envision yeah just um you know, natural materials and linens and, but also some good heavy you know pottery kinds of things and so yeah I can't wait for that part Oh, it's not, it's gonna be so beautiful. I'm just like getting a mental picture as you're describing. Like, oh my god, like a brass backsplash. I know. I'm still on that. That's amazing. Yeah. I can't get over that it's in my look, mind. Yeah, that's gonna look oh, incredible. Yeah, and there's there's little nooks. I haven't talked about nooks, but there's the little niches that you can cut out oh, into your yeah. straw bell walls. So that's another favorite thing that we're doing is cutting out. Well, we already did, but niches 
like and the then you like put, like recessed parts yeah yeah and then you can just tuck in shelves or oh. you know it just gives a little space for a, a, a plant or some books i love that one of our curved interior walls is going to be a bookshelf so it's like curved, curved bookshelf which is really fun that's so cool um, i don't know that i've ever seen a curved bookshelf mm -mm. before that's gonna be so beautiful visually yeah i can't wait for that part please send us pictures yes <laughs> i mean we will stalk you on social yeah. media but yeah. also like your home is a private space so i get it if you're not yes like also yes. gonna post it all but right. also we'd love to see it as it unfolds oh, and I've talked about like driving up to Parkdale. I want to see it I and put my eyes on it. Do. I want to just like so it's see. really fun to see it in the construction phase. Yeah, um, too. It's just yeah, to it's, it's part of the story for sure mm -hmm. of where mm -hmm. it is in and the transition that it will make between this moment and then finish. Right. So yes, yes. I'm really excited to see that unfold. And yes, when you are going to install this backsplash, please invite Eva and for us to come watch you. We will help. Yes. We yes. will definitely help you and also drool. So yes, Thank you. it'll be great. It's um, going to be fun. Okay. So this is a question we ask every guest okay. and it is, what does home feel like for you? Oh, peaceful and restful. That's, that's um, yeah, especially for us, we like to me i like to walk in home and feel like a, just a sigh mm -hmm. kind of like a a let like a oh okay um so just calm um it feels like a big hug i need i want my house to feel like it's just kind of hugging me and giving me time to rest my mind our minds are so busy and so overwhelmed and so working day night day night that a home to me is just a place where it just begs you to turn your brain off mm -hmm, and just yeah. to just to kind of breathe and just eat, you know, and <laughs> and just stare <laughs> off and, and daydream and um, do the things that I love to do: daydream and eat and and play and relax. I love that. That's probably too many words, but no, no that's, that's, that's <laughs> the perfect amount of words. I feel like we've also. Like earlier, even I were talking about like our, our strides and struggles and she was talking about have, having community feel like a hug. So we've said hug a lot in this mm -hmm. episode oh, and cool. we all need hugs cool. apparently. So especially now. Yes. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. So are is, and you know, I know we kind of asked this a little bit earlier, but any other advice uh, before we wrap up that you'd give to listeners who are interested in sustainable building? Yeah. Just do some some research. Don't be afraid to to incorporate things that are unusual, mm -hmm. um, uh, that are that are you know we use the term reclaimed or recycled or whatever, and it's become trendy. But if it's truly reclaimed and recycled, it's a good thing. You're you're reprocessing. It's not always a good idea, but it's sometimes you've got to buy new things that aren't exactly sustainable from sure you know Amazon or Target. But um, uh, an example is we just walked into a car dealership the other day to look for a car. And it's so stressful to me. I, I hate looking for, for expensive items. It just stresses me out. <laughs> and the first thing I saw when I walked in was this vintage station wagon. And I just, I just walked right towards it. And I'm like, can we, can we buy this one? I just, I don't care. 
you get the cars here with this vintage station wagon and Chris was like honey that is so non-sustainable what are you talking about yeah I know but it's just beautiful it's just it's calling to me we didn't get it we had to we got a different car that's very sustainable and practical and you know partly hybrid but yeah so there's a balance there Mm -hmm. you know sometimes you can go totally sustainable and perfect and certified and other times you just kind of got to give a little and do what you can for yeah. your, your budget and and what you love. Yeah, I love that. It's very like practical and helpful mm-hmm. advice. Mm-hmm. Yes, totally. Uh, <laughs> well, There's times to get the vintage station wagon. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and times to be practical. Yes, yes totally. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Sherilyn, can you tell us where people can find you, whether that's like your website or social media or like what's the best means of like getting to know you? Sure. Besides in person or up in Parkdale, um, online, we're just on social media, on Instagram, it's Schofield Design. It's all one word. Great. Or our, our private web uh, page is Oregon Straw Casa. Oh, awesome. Which is our little straw bale and kind of more family stuff. And then the D-Mill. Yeah, the D-Mill is our um, mill. We'll link to all that in the episode description, too, for listeners. So if you're like, ooh, cool. got to find this out. Yeah. Got the links there for you. Yeah. Great. Um, and then we also have listener mail. So are you able to join in on answering a couple listener questions with us? How exciting. Yeah. <laughs> <Awesome>. <laughs> so we usually do like one home, one garden. And the home question is from Elise Brug on Instagram. And she says, I need design advice for my kitchen remodel. Do you guys have any do's and don'ts? Hmm. I would say definitely hood fan is a must because that's my biggest regret that we did not do with my own kitchen. Yes. So definitely yes, that's do a hood required fan. by code. So you definitely should have done it. But okay. <laughs> <laughs> He was giving me a very hopefully sweet the, smile from yeah. across the like, table. Hopefully you like no one from our county is listening. <laughs> we don't know. Nobody knows where you live. It's okay. Okay. Good. <laughs> yes. Hood vents. Important. What else were you going to say? Oh, that was my main thing. Oh, okay. What do you guys think? Um, Sherilyn, I'll let you talk first. I obviously have a big list of don'ts. So, oh, I'm or do's, sure. Uh, I'm but right I'm curious. <laughs> I'm curious yeah. like, what your feedback is. I'm totally right in the middle of planning drawers and where cabinets go and all oh, that. Yeah. Um, kind of stressful, but um, a junk drawer nice, is so yeah. primary for mm-hmm. me um, in my kitchen. I don't know why. It's just a, an area where it collects, you know, chargers and pencils and stuff um, out of the way. Yeah. And then we created just a little space by, we call it the mudroom door where that leads into the kitchen. Mm-hmm. That's just kind of tucked away and tucked back. And it's just a little counter space for like charging station and the junk drawer where stuff can just kind of go in. I mean, we like to envision our, our kitchen as being beautiful and peaceful and gorgeous, but I know it collects stuff too. And it's yeah. just the natural yeah. where we all go. So that's not very kitcheny, but no, I think that's a junk drawer. Relevant. Yeah. <laughs> that's really where it goes. Yeah. We have a junk drawer in our yeah. kitchen. It's I have like one right by the door. Yeah. Yeah. That drawer. Yeah. I think everyone definitely should have a junk drawer. Um, yeah. I guess for me, a lot of it is like, well, I am so functionally driven that mm-hmm. I tend to recommend like drawers as much as possible on the lowers so that you don't have to like open a cabinet and bend down to get in, you know. Mm-hmm. So everything that can be pulled out 
Um, and then you can see to the back of it is, I think, really helpful. Instead of instead of like the shelves doing pull outs instead. Yeah. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I would prefer drawers over pull out shelves within a cabinet because mm-hmm. what tends to happen with the pull out shelves are, are that the rails like drag along the doors. And so then mm-hmm. you end up with these like um, if you have painted cabinets, then there's like a strip of missing paint on the inside of your uh, cabinet. And I know mm-hmm. that's like on the inside, but that would bother me. So mm-hmm. um, maybe it won't bother everyone else. So if you like the look of regular cabinets and not drawers, then or, you know, doored cabinets, then you can still do like mm-hmm. interior pullouts, but they just tend to drag on the doors. Yeah. My other bit of advice, I think in general, our clients really struggle with knowing where to start from a, a from a material standpoint. So like, mm. what material should I pick first? Or they think that they should pick a certain, you know, like, I know I like black cabinets or something. And mm-hmm. um, generally speaking, we encourage people to pick out their appliances because they affect the overall layout so much, but then mm-hmm. also mm-hmm. pick out your slabs first. There's just so many options in terms of cabinetry style, cabinetry color, tile, et cetera, that slabs are so much more specific. And is this the countertop? Yes. You're talking about? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So mm-hmm. I would totally pick your countertop first. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you want something that's veiny or has a lot of movement to it, let that be the thing that you pick first and let the other materials flow out from that and harmonize with it. So, and, you know, like, I think it's pretty common for people to want, you know, let's say it's a marble look or a marble countertop. Well, the background color in marble can vary so widely. There's some that are like really warm, some that are very cool. Mm. And so, you know, you if you refine your countertop selection first and then really fall in love with that, I think it will help drive the decision making downstream so much easier. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, I'm taking notes. I just wrote down like five things. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, totally. I would totally pick slabs all day. And I think some people, every now and again, we'll get a client that like they want just white countertops and they want the personality to be the tile, for example. Mm. But generally speaking, that's not the case. And people want a lot of a lot of different things. And they just are like, I don't know how this all goes together. So slabs, pick your slab first, Mm. then let everything else kind of flow from that. Love that. Really good advice. Definitely going to do that with our kitchen. Do Thank it. You. <laughs> <laughs> and so the other question that was submitted is garden related, and it's from at Duchess and L on Instagram, and she wants to know the best plants for natural pest and animal deterrence, which I think is a very relevant question because you know every gardener deals with pests of a wide variety of assortment assorted kinds in the garden but the best way to go is really strong smelling herbs because they deter a lot of pests and animals because they're scent you know it's strong enough for our human noses which are like pretty weak comparatively um Mm -hmm. so the smell of those herbs can really overwhelm the like sensory abilities of these animals and insects and kind of can get them distracted basically when they're trying to sniff out food, you know, delicious things like a sweet peach or a juicy tomato. Um, So planting things like basil, rosemary, lavender, 
mint, bay leaves in the garden. I've also heard lilacs actually work really well, but you know, of course, mm. that's just in the spring. Um, but just really smelly plants and good smelling. Um, and then there's a couple other ones that are not super fragrant to us, but I guess they smell really weird and unpleasant to bugs and uh, animals. And that's marigolds and petunias. And I've actually had a ton of success with marigolds in the vegetable patch. So like planting them intermittently near plants that I've had issues with aphids before. So like especially kale, there's a lot of these kind of like Mm. silvery aphids that love kale and broccoli Mm -hmm. and stuff. But planting marigolds like just kind of around that area really helps and they're super pretty too so you get like a nice Mm. pop of like my flowers i got your veggies mixed together so that's that's pretty helpful oh and then if you're in a damp area that does have mosquitoes uh in the summertime citronella is a great plant to grow to kind of keep those away from the garden area so don't get bit while you're working in the yard nice yeah do you have any uh are you a gardener sherilyn I, I, my, my gardens are always trial and error, but yes, we love growing our own stuff. But my question for you is, is maybe not pest deterrent, but uh, like critter deterrent Um, where we are, there's, there's critters that like nibble off the tops of my tomato plants. I mean, I threw tomatoes in the ground last year and crossed my fingers, like kind of laughing, like we're not going to get anything. And we really didn't get anything because we were too busy, but um, they totally just ate the tops of plants off they left the kale alone but um other things it was just really funny so deer deterrent you know like are the bunnies deterrent (laughs) yeah yeah i mean the the strong smelling herbs work for animals and pests so i would just plant those like you know if there are plants that you've had before where you're like i know the deer have chomped this or you know the raccoon Mm -hmm. or bunny or whatever um maybe very purposely plant some super fragrant herbs like in a little shield like around the the area in a perimeter yeah yeah definitely yeah definitely and that Mm -hmm. might help ward them i think when you're using natural deterrent methods you have to be you know more maybe more heavy-handed than you would be with some other things so like to keep the deer away, you wouldn't just plant like one basil next to mm-hmm. like a patch of tomatoes. Mm-hmm. That's not going to do. You need to like really have like a bounty. Um, mm-hmm. But that's kind of nice because it's like, well, you want a wonderful herb garden anyway, because they just add so mm-hmm. much dimension to like every dish that you're cooking. Um, the flowers look beautiful on them. They're great for pollinators. So just go to town with your herb garden, plant like one of every single kind of herb around your vulnerable veggie area and then it's like a win all around yeah yeah love it lavender is lavender one of those yes definitely definitely that's just beautiful to look at so pretty yeah those are great well, this was cool. so much fun, Sherilyn. Thank you so much for <laughs> talking with us. And I'm just feeling so inspired after hearing your vision for your Starbill home. It's going to be so beautiful. And yeah, I def- yeah. me and Sam definitely want to come sometime and say hi. <laughs> Please do. Yeah. Please do. Yeah. Find us. All right. Well, take care and thanks so much. And we'll talk to you soon. Thanks. thanks. Bye-bye. Uh-huh. Bye. Bye. Please rate, review, and subscribe. It really helps. You can find our show notes with resources and links at feelslikehomepodcast.com. For design advice, send in your listener mail at feelslikehomepodcast at gmail.com. And you can also find us on Instagram at feelslikehomepodcast. 
The Feels Like Home podcast is produced by Jeremiah Flores and hosted by interior designer Sam Strzok and styles and photographer Eva Cosmos Flores. Thanks so much for tuning in and stay cozy, friends. Thank you.